Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. In this episode, we welcome Asif Kapadia on the show to give us the score on his latest documentary. A football film that has twistier corners than Trent Alexander-Arnold and more coke than a multiplex carpet. It's Diego Maradona! I'm Jake Cunningham, and joining my squad this week is Stephen Ryder. Hello. Caitlin Queenland of the South. <laughs> Hiya. And from the Bertha Berlin Dock House, <laughs> it's Tilly Hudson. Hello. Hello, Tilly. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, a very special documentary focus this week, hence why we've brought Tilly in, uh, representing the only solely documentary-focused cinema in the UK. In the UK, yeah. And it is so wonderful to have you all here. So we will get to talking to Asif uh, in just a little bit to tell us all about this quite remarkable film. Um, But first, I think it's uh, important to get listeners up to speed uh, to not see a name like Diego Maradona, the big football star, as a reason to not see this film uh, or to be afraid of it, uh, to see this very much as an Asif Kafadia film. Uh, if you're a football fan who's never heard of him or to see this the other way around as well. <laughs> um, so I quickly uh, go over what the film's about. Uh, so Diego Maradona was one of football's true geniuses. Half man, half God was the reputation. Uh, he came from an Argentinian shanty town uh, and his talents commanded record fees and international glory. Uh, and so this is a new portrait from the director of Amy and Senna. You may have heard of those films. Uh, and we follow Diego as he arrives at Naples in 1984, joining the team Napoli and leading the club to their first ever title win. Uh, And this time in Naples was this uh, incredible seven-year hurricane of tumultuous chaos and alliances. And after sifting through 500 hours of unseen footage, uh, Capadia's documentary places us right in the eye of the storm. So uh, to quickly get everyone up to speed on Maradona, Stephen Caitlin, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about this man? Yeah, so he's a pretty controversial figure. I think most people who are football fans will um, probably uh, like immediately associate the hand of God with him, the kind of infamous uh, handball situation um, in the World Cup against England. Um, but yeah, so he he went to he went to Napoli after a brief stint in Barcelona, where he wasn't particularly successful, despite being heralded as this amazing footballer. Um, but as soon as he got to Napoli, it was kind of a total transformation, um, and he sort of fell right in with that family I think um and yeah the the sort of rest is history from there really for him the success was kind of mind-blowing yeah I mean growing up I was always told that he was one of the best two football players who ever played the game along with uh Pele Mm. and um you know uh, in a in a in a different way to Pele he was also seen as a very kind of controversial figure like you said and um his legacy I don't think has been very kind to him uh, as he's gotten older, he's. I think the England match that you spoke about. If anybody doesn't know who Diego Maradona is, just read up on that or watch, you know, the highlights from the match, and you'll see. And this film does it too. You'll see a kind of microcosm of what this man is all about. He is uh, passionate. He's driven, but he's also willing to do anything to win. Yeah, um, and that transfers off the pitch and on the pitch. I think that, and that, that England match, which is at the, the centre of mm. the film as well, um, was for, like key to my football uh, gr- yeah. like, gr- experience growing up as well because it meant that, although I knew these, I knew Maradona Pele, that's the that's the uh, the great pair uh, 
in my household, it was like any mention of Maradona was, com- <laughs> was completely glossed over with, yeah, but Pele. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah we all know that, but Pele. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I, this film is, is a really interesting portrait. And although I consider myself a football fan, like this is incredibly insightful and gave me so much more new knowledge uh, to a player that upon watching the film, I realised I didn't know as much about as I really thought I did. Um, but let's get to Capadia as well. Uh, so Tilly, as, as our documentary representative for the yes. day, um, <laughs> could you um, let us know a little bit about him? So he did start off doing a few fictional feature-length films um, in his early career, but he then went down the kind of documentary route and focused on uh, finding old archive footage and re-editing it and retelling it in a new narrative. So he started with Senna, which was uh, 2010, I think, and that is on the F1 driver Ayrton Senna. Then he did Amy, which is... um, the similar kind of thing, using archive footage and um, rewriting the story of singer-songwriter Amy Winehouse. And now he's kind of, I think this is definitely a passion project for him. Mm. He, he's a big football fan as well. And he said that this was something that he wanted to do after he finished film school, which was like turn of the century. <laughs> yeah. The dream to do a Maradona film. He, he wanted to originally, I think, I've read in a couple of interviews, make a fiction film mm. with uh, about Diego Maradona, which I, I still think would be kind of amazing to see. Yeah, yeah. I think there's so many kind of routes you could take with a with a film like that. Put someone like Oscar Isaac well, but, in, the, in the lead role. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. He's tiny though, isn't he? Like Maradona. Yeah. Like, uh, he's like, think going, re- when he talks about this, going to this fiction idea of doing a Maradona film, Cavalier mm-hmm. said that no no one can play him uh, in the yeah. real football scenes when they had to recreate. No one has this yeah. body shape and had the skill that like him to find the right actor to yeah. possibly slot into that role um, I find that early part of his career really interesting because he makes this film called The Warrior straight out of uh, university wins a BAFTA for best British film <laughs> um, and then uh, the Weinstein company takes the film and wants to cut it uh, he no. says no they've never done anything <laughs> like that before uh, <laughs> and it totally is like left dead in the water and uh, the Weinstein Company says that, like, then he's not gonna. He offered them a three-film deal, and he said no, and it kind of wow. just got shut out. And then the next two film fiction films that he does, like, regardless of link to Weinstein Company or anything like that, like, don't do really well in reviews, don't do really well in uh, box offers. One of them's quite a schlocky horror film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that is with uh, the Return. The Return, Sarah Michelle yeah. Gellar. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It ended up not even getting a premiere. <laughs> And so this this was his kind of uh, the, the the 2000s. And then Senna comes in and he kind of reinvents himself as this archive master. Mm. That truly is like a reinvention, isn't it? Yeah. Like you can't, it, it must be so difficult to transition from, it almost seems like changing careers mm. rather than just changing kind of your, your, your identity as a director. Yeah, well, it completely removes the idea of a set or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. It is, he said uh, briefly at a Q&A that I was at that, this film was two years of sitting in the dark. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Stephen, you uh, you actually spoke to the man himself. I did. Yeah. It was. Um, I spoke to him the day after my football team lost the playoff final. Oh, um, oh I was with you that day. Yeah, you were, Jake. <laughs> yeah, you broke a table. Um, <laughs> which you know, it was it was a little bit frustrating to go back and talk about football for another twenty minutes to somebody. But he was an absolute gentleman, and um, he he's obviously very very passionate about this subject. And he has spoken before about, um, I think you alluded to it, Tilly, is that uh, this is the third part of his trilogy on child geniuses and fame. Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, we had Senna, we had Amy, and now we have Diego Maradona. And, um, yeah, you can tell that this has been something that's been gestating in him for a long time. And he's obviously got so much to say about it. And even now, when I was speaking to him, you can still tell that he's thinking about this project and thinking about all the different things that have come out of it, about the city of Naples, about kind of class war, um, what football means to people beyond simply being kind of a sport and a tribal thing and what it means to culture. And all this kind of comes together in the film. And, I, yeah, I was really lucky to be able to speak to him about all of that. Great. Here he is, Asif Kapadia. Uh, thanks for joining us, Asif Kapadia, um, with your new film coming out soon, uh, Diego Maradona. Um, the first thing I kind of wanted to ask you was uh, about your relationship with football, actually, and um, kind of how it's uh, shaped you as a person or culturally how it shaped you. Because I know you grew up in North London, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, who's your team? As, as a uh, as a North Londoner coming from a family of mainly kind of Arsenal supporters, I am obviously a Liverpool fan. Uh, child of the seventies, and um, my first game was at Highbury. Arsenal v Liverpool. I was in with the Arsenal fans, and Arsenal won. But my heart was always with Liverpool, so I'm a big Kenny Dalglish fan. So I am a red, but a red, wow. far away. I actually um, yesterday, I'm coming off the back of quite a painful win. I'm a Derby County supporter, so it's uh, it's been a rough 24 hours to be honest. Yeah, um, but uh, but you you can feel almost how much these um, these matches or these people that play in these games do, do affect the community at large through your film um and i think uh the fans in napoli uh play such a huge part in this film were you surprised at their kind of reaction to maradona when he when he when he went to napoli and the things that he did there so so before i made the film i'd never been to naples but i'd kind of heard about it and i guess somewhere in the back of my head i always thought oh it's a bit rough there isn't it i'm not, I'm not sure about going there. i need to know someone um I'd read a book about Diego Maradona many, many years ago, kind of in the late 90s. So I, I, I was vaguely aware of the story. Um, but it wasn't until we started making it and I did the research and I started seeing the material of just how intense Naples is and how how passionate Neapolitans are and how much they needed someone like Diego to kind of make them feel proud and happy and help them have this kind of this battle that was going on between north and south where they're looked down upon by the wealthy north um yeah that all came out really once we started making the film and the research and realizing that you know the particular thing about naples is that there's only one team so it's not like most cities where you have a rivalry here everyone supported napoli um and it's almost like the team of the south of italy and so and they've never won anything so diego maradona comes along best player in the world richest most expensive player in the world goes to one of the poorest places in europe suffering from a real kind of peak in kind of violence at the time in the 80s um and he goes there and makes them great and makes them win so it's an unbelievable story really yeah there's actually a lot of parallels with the city of liverpool as well i think right because liverpool would have been one of the poorest cities in the country at the time and they were kind of on top of the world on top of english football too yeah another um, great port city there you go exactly and weirdly enough i've always felt kind of somehow coming from hackney hackney in the 70s and 80s had much more in common with kind of that idea and even now you know people fans will sing songs about liverpool being poor and kind of somehow get an enjoyment of the idea of looking down on liverpool and the northern team still sing songs about naples and humiliate them and make fun of them and somehow say you're dirty and you're poor so there is a there is a link i feel between between naples and, and liverpool and something that i really don't like when i hear those chants but there's i don't know why people from the rest of the country who are not particularly cities that are that well off take on this kind of idea or thinking that's a good thing to look down on people and somehow humiliate them yeah i mean it's uh, it's an issue with football in that it's such a kind of colorful cultural um object um for us to enjoy but it also comes with these lowest common denominator well. the kind of idea yeah. of yeah yeah it is it, it brings it out and i think i i love football but there's a lot about it i don't like and i think that idea of dealing with these subjects within this film and kind of racism and kind of like the 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 prejudice that can come with it on an entire people um was something that was interesting because maradona being an outsider saw this and it kind of that for him that gave him the energy he needs someone to fight against he needs an argument he needs he needs to be angry and his anger fueled him and that's how he became a better player and raised up the rest of the team and it was the anger with the north and with what he thought was that you know unfairness that kind of gave him the ability to kind of be even better and it's just so amazing that you, what you've managed to do in this film is you've managed to take this personality, um, you know, a very, a very colourful personality, but from, from this one man, you've kind of mapped a whole city's culture or even a whole, you know, the game of football, you've kind of mapped that whole culture. Was that always the idea going in or was it Maradona himself that you wanted to explore, like his psyche and his, the inner workings? I guess a bit of both, really. You know, you, you've got to going to make a film about someone you got to understand their character but also how do they express themselves and his way of expressing himself was via football that's what he's famous for but i didn't really know any of this beforehand you know you have a vague idea but it's only while you're making a film with my brilliant editor chris king that you start to mold the material to say well what is it about what are we trying to say what's what are the important beats and what's interesting is a film about this guy from a very poor place in argentina who comes to europe but it's also you know there's 
there's wars between England and Argentina in there. There's kind of things to do with family and relationships and children. There's stuff to do with kind of uh, racism and prejudice. And there's things to do with not not recognizing your family. And, you know, there's a lot in there. And, and the underworld, you know, it starts off as a football film, but actually it almost becomes like Mean Streets by the end of it. You know, it's like a gangster film at times. So that was that was something that I was interested in kind of getting across this genre thing. Senna for me was like your all action hero, right? He was an action hero. He was an amazing movie star. Amy was a musical, and this one did feel always like we were making a bit of a gangster film. It's street guys, you know, it's it's like low level street guys doing whatever they have to do to survive on the pitch and off the pitch. I love this idea of taking a documentary about three people, you know, two two sports stars and musician, but then being three completely different genre pieces. And it's a wonderful way to approach it. Um, Maradona himself, he's he's still a very controversial figure uh, even today um did you have any you, I, i'm assuming you approached him for this film and asked him ahead of time whether it was okay to make a film about him or so so the way this sort of thing works is that my producers james gay reese and paul martin um there, there was this rumor there was this archive footage there's this footage shot uh, uh, on diego at the time when he was playing in italy and so the producers had gone in search of this footage and they found some of it in um, kind of a store outside of Naples and in order to use it we had to do with Diego Maradona so James and Paul did a deal with Maradona's people for his image rights uh, because same with Senna and with Amy you've got to have the image rights of the person to make the film um, so they did a deal with for his image rights which would then give us access to people friends and family around him and footage that featured him that included this material that was shot on Diego back in the 80s but also part of the deal was to talk to Diego so I I think the contractually I had three interviews each of about three hours in length which isn't a massive amount for me but I was like okay that should be fine so that's how it worked so part of the deal was I'd get to meet him and talk to him and over the three years I probably met Maradona about say three or four times but normally the interviews were about 90 minutes in length and I met him, you know, I'd go, can I come back the next day? And we'd come back the next day. And then I'd go away for six months or eight months, edit away, and then come back to meet him again. Do you think he was pleased with kind of, I'm assuming he's seen the film? You you make the wrong assumption. Oh, he's not seen it yet. Okay. Not Are you excited yet. for him to see it? Yeah. Um, I tried many times a year ago to show him the film. And he was just too busy flying around the world. You know, I chased him and he was going to be in Dubai where I interviewed him and I was going to go to Dubai and show it to him in his living room and he said, I'm not going to be here, I'm going to be in Belarus. I'm like, okay, let's go to Belarus. And he said, no, 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 I'm going to be in Colombia. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I can get to Colombia. Okay, then I'll be I'll be at the World Cup in Moscow. And I was like, oh, I don't think that's going to be the best time to show you this particular film. <laughs> and then he was like, I'll be on holiday afterwards in Argentina. Great. So we book our tickets to go to Buenos Aires. On two days before going to Buenos Aires, he takes a job in Mexico. So... Of course, the football manager he's managing in Mexico now. Yeah, so so then it was just like, well, we really have tried, and and I don't know how much his team were bothered or he was bothered about seeing it. So it was like, okay, you'll see it at some point. What I'll do is I'll show it to everyone else, and then word would get back to you, and that's what happened. Everyone else around him saw it, really liked it, said it's tough, but it's honest, and it's great, and it's moving. Um, and so eventually, and then I thought, okay, what we do is, well, if we can get into Cannes, that would be great. He'll come to the premiere, but then he couldn't make it to the premiere. So at some point, he'll see it. It's very exciting. I mean, that's something to really look forward to in your case, I think. But um, to, going back to this this footage you were talking about, this, some of this footage is, is really intimate stuff. Um, it's almost amazing that they got that kind of access to Maradona at the time. Um, although I think it was a, a crew was kind of paid to follow him around. Was it? Was his it? his agent at the time, Jorge Sister Spieler, had this idea that Diego is such a huge star, we should make a movie about him. So he hired two Argentinian cameramen to follow him around in Argentina, in Barcelona, and in Naples. And because they were friends, they were able to go to parties, they were able to film him in his house, they filmed him with his kids, they filmed him on the pitch. They were So a lot of the f- footage in the film where you have the camera on the pitch side, behind the goal or on the side of the goal, that's not the television footage at the time. That's his own personal cameraman who had access to the changing rooms. When he arrives the first time in Naples and he's walking in and looks like Gladiator, that's all his own cameraman. So this footage, some of it, bits of it had been seen, but most of it's never been seen. Um, and that, yeah, that's what we were able to get our, our hands on. Yeah, some of that match day footage in particular is incredible. Like you can feel the atmosphere in the stadium. I actually did have a quick question about it before I forget was the sound in those um, 
in those in that footage did you have to manipulate the sound do any foley work with that because it sounded so crisp and so amazing it worked so well to give you the experience of being there so i have an amazing sound team who i've been working with for years so yeah absolutely the everything has to be accentuated um so they did create the atmosphere but most of the crowd and you know the atmosphere of the pitch that's all taken from archives that we've got uh, but you remember this is like 1984 85 video uh tapes which which our team have to turn into kind of cinema sound um but but chris king is also brilliant with music and sound so a lot of it is just putting in the thing so you can get the sense of him on the ball um so there's a kind of brilliant team that i've worked with on all of my movies really features and docs um it's a dialogue editor andy shelley and then stephen griffiths does the kind of sound editing together with chris king so they're the brilliant team who put this all together and then when we mix it i mix it at twickenham studio so i have a really big theater so when you've got footage that isn't technically perfect the way to make it feel like a movie is to make it sound great so the score and the sound design and the atmospheres all of that there's a lot of time and effort put into that to make it feel like you're in the stadium at the time it pays off so well like i you know i've i've been to go into football matches since i was young and you watch this film and there are moments where you hear the sound of the ball being kicked or the roar of the crowd and it feels like you're in the stadium and it's very very impressive fantastic um, that's yeah. great yeah I've, I've, yeah it was it was incredible um i had i had a question you've mentioned that this is part of a trilogy about fame and um i think it was celebrity right or uh, fame and child geniuses i think was the quote that you made watching amy and senna and now this do you think your films inherently posit the idea that that fame is a bad thing and that we don't quite understand the way that it affects people um or is it about these individuals and the way that they deal with fame good question i guess i mean that's open to interpretation i i i do think it's hard to contemplate what happens to someone when they're young and their life changes so much and they become successful and i think i do feel more and more partly because i've spent years making these films that you know, I never set out to make these films being like a warning of what happens if you become famous. Senna, it's kind of about that, but it's not. Senna's the most educated and had the most stable family. And actually, you know, he's a very spiritual person. So he was quite different, I guess, to the other characters. What happened with him was he had this gift and his talent. And his thing was he never quit. He never gave up. And actually, it's the fact that he doesn't give up and cannot give up that sadly leads to him driving in that final race which in weird way is this kind of spiritual moment for him. Amy, I don't think it was great for her. I don't think she never necessarily went into becoming, a. you know, she was a jazz musician. She loved to be creative. She loved to change what she was doing depending on her mood. She was very different when she became a pop star. It wasn't the best thing for her. Maradona's a bit of Senna and a bit of Amy. You know, he's got kind of a very, very strong, stubborn character, but he's also very vulnerable and someone who looks a bit lost even when he's in the center of it. You feel like, you know, he kind of covers it up with bravado and kind of very Latin kind of behavior. But actually, he's also a bit of a kid and a teenager still at times. Um, I have subsequently looked at it. I've worked in movies. I've worked with young actors and you think actually it's not a healthy thing, I think, for kids to become really, really famous. And the minute you start earning more than your parents... It's very hard for your parents or anyone to tell you what to do if you're still a child and if you haven't fully formed and if you haven't had rejection and dealt with the problems that happen with life. So that, weirdly enough, has become a theme, but it wasn't a reason I set out to do it. Um, you know, when when Amy and Senna... Are, sorry. Amy and um, Maradona, Diego Maradona, both of them premiered at Cannes. And I really have to say that experience of going up the red carpet and having these photographers taking your picture and shouting out your name and kind of yelling at you and slightly being kind of pushed around and told where to face and where to go it's amazing it's brilliant it's also really weird and I have to say whenever I've done it and it's still quite raw because it was only a few days ago I just remember thinking I don't ever want that to be normal I don't want to be I'm quite happy no one knows who I am I'm quite happy walking down the street and no one will being behind the camera is good for me I think being in front of the camera, being famous, being photographed, being judged, being, you know, mocked, it's not particularly healthy. And it's not something you necessarily want if you want to be a musician. It's not necessarily something you are obsessed with if you are you love playing football. 
And I think there is something really mad about the whole experience. And when you experience it, if you have a little taste of it yourself, if that became normal, I don't know how you keep your head. And I think that's really what Maradona's about. Is that how can anyone get out of this and be sane if you've come from where he's come from and been to where he's been to and somehow he's still alive? I think mean, that is an amazing miracle in itself. No, I couldn't agree more. And you, there are moments in this film that uh, I'd say, aside from the kind of the 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes you spend on the Argentina-England game, uh, which I think is a really, you say in the film, it's a really great encapsulation of Maradona as a person in, in one match. But my favorite moments are the, are the moments where he's surrounded by people at a party somewhere and the camera is just kind of lingering on his face. He looks confused and he, he looks like he doesn't want to be there, but he can't say no. Um, and I think that those moments are just this this really great crystal crystallization of how difficult it is for somebody so young to have so much pressure on him as a person. Um, you know, but I, I suppose you've never felt that way in your film in a filmmaking sense. But um, I think filmmaking is incredibly lonely. Actually, I I I, I maybe one of the reasons why um, I've I've these themes come out in the work because I've been in a situation where, where I've made short films with my friends and I just felt like we're all in this together. And for me, the minute I started making feature films, I remember being on sets and I'm surrounded by hundreds of people, but I feel incredibly alone. And the pressure on you, everyone looking at you, everyone saying you've got to come up with a solution when you know things are going wrong and whatever's going wrong. You have a team of support, but also I, I think it's an incredibly lonely process and you know, directors handle it in different ways. Um, sometimes it becomes bravado. Sometimes it becomes shouting at people and being not very nice and being rude. But a lot of it is you're covering up kind of insecurity. Um, so that's a separate question. It's a really interesting thing. But I do think there's a hell of a lot in common with being a film director and making a movie and somehow the pressure on your shoulders to say, if this works, you know, success has many fathers. If it fails, it's all on you. Failure is an orphan. Right. So I think you become very aware of the pressures and you're having to trust your instincts when you make a decision and everyone else may feel this is a bad idea. And you're like, well, this is what I think is the right thing to do. And if it works, everyone suddenly says that was a group decision. And if it doesn't work, it's all on your fault. You know, and that's that's the nature of it. If it does well, you do well. If it doesn't do well, it's your fault. Um, so I don't know. There is something interesting about being a, a filmmaker or an artist or slightly in a kind of elevated position within a big group over a long period of time when money's at stake and you know there's a lot of things that go into making movies which i think have a lot in common with this this kind of process that, that's a really nice parallel you've drawn there i think to end this interview so thank you so much Asif. hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Party. Cool. Thanks, man. Good talking. Thank you, Asif. And thank you, Stephen, for that as well. Um, right, let's dive into reviewing this quite, this beast of a film, really. Um, <laughs> we started the conversation talking about Maradona, about this film for people that may not know who he is. Uh, and that's that's kind of a big question about it. Are you going to like this film if you don't know who Diego Maradona is? Yeah, I think this is, I mean, I'm an enormous football fan, love football. And, you know, going into this, I was very excited for it. It's clear that it's a football lover's film that's been made by, a, you know, a, a clear football lover um, in Capadia. Um, so there's obviously that. I think there's like a level of excitement that's kind of, you know, very much built up, um, you know, for, for football fans. But even going into this, 
it's so engaging and so kind of immersive from the very beginning, you know, from the get go. You're kind of thrust into this world of of, of Napoli in the 80s and um, you're just you're just so swept along with it. And I think um, even if you kind of don't necessarily have that association with football, you're not particularly fussed about it. It's quite hard not to care about this, this you know, this atmosphere. The scenes of the crowds in that stadium are just like it's just amazing um so I think there's so much there for people to to sort of fall into if they're not necessarily football fans and, and even as a football fan as Jake said earlier there's so much I didn't know about Maradona so much about you know the the kind of ties with the mafia in in Naples and um you know obviously you have this image of him as kind of a fallen hero but going into the actual kind of the underlying, you know, causes of these things is is really really fascinating. Yeah, um, yeah I learned. I feel like I learned so much about him, even having this like pre existing knowledge of of who he is as a player. Yeah, and it's it's enjoyable outside of a kind of traditional profile documentary sense. Uh, it really leans into the genre elements that become apparent within the Maradona story. Yeah, for sure. It's got um, you know when we talk about sports documentaries people get a little bit concerned maybe that they're going to have to know the history of the sport and the history of the results. Um, but this is about the man and it's about how he got involved with um, organised crime in Naples, which is obviously a city very famous for that kind of thing. So when you look at the football scenes, they're focused on him. They're not focused on the match as a whole. They're very intimate. They're very personal. It's about his face. It's about his body movements, which I think lends itself to a really kind of um, a, a, a different kind of portrait. Like you're yeah, saying. I mean, there, there's an interesting uh, choice where there's a important penalty shootout and the camera just holds on him the player it doesn't even show you the goal or the kick or anything yeah a lot this is truly a portrait a lot like the experimental film Zidane in that way I think rather than a kind of any any typical football documentary but but uh, as to the crime stuff I mean that becomes a huge part of it and it's all about how you become you know he was he was addicted to cocaine and the movie doesn't gloss over that um he was working out for uh four days a week and then partying for three days a week and just doing coke for those three days and then going back to working out and it's kind of scary to watch Mm, in that way and you're like this is gonna all fall apart eventually and it's amazing that he kept kind of at the top of his game for so long um because when you kind of see how deep he was in with the organized crime and how it happened in such a natural organic way you know it's so easy to see how people with his kind of presence and stature in a city where he has this godlike status so easy to see how they become kind of um manipulated and over-reliant it's yeah. it's crazy mm. okay. and so i've been kind to uh, answering that question by going to you two first uh, <laughs> yeah. tilly uh as someone not here just wearing a football shirt like just, uh, <laughs> i came in my full kit today. yeah yeah, yeah shin both. pads as well <laughs> how did this film work for you so yeah as i'm not a football fan i don't know much about maradona so i kind of was going into the film thinking right you know, am I going to understand this? Am I going to follow what's going on? But instantly you're kind of thrown into this narrative of, yes, you know, like Caitlin said, it is for football lovers and you can tell it's made by a football lover. But it's more than that. It's more kind of, it's more about the essence of the man behind the football, which Capadia does with every one of his documentaries. He really gets to the kind of human essence of, you know, the this talented genius and he gets behind their talent. Um, Did you get the sense that he was a genius, like from? Well, yeah. yeah. So again, not as a football fan, even those kind of archive scenes of him navigating the pitch, I was mm. like, oh my god, he's mm. amazing. He's so much better he, than everyone. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. much better. It's like laughable. Yeah, how much better he is. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm. So again, I was like, you know, blown away by that. Those kind of football scenes, but also blown away by. Um, seeing this kind of new side to Maradona and it's interesting this duality between he really focuses on Mm. the kind of Diego and the Maradona Mm. and how they're separate. Diego is this nice kind of, you know, comes from humble beginnings. um, You know, you can tell he's just a nice, you know, Mm. boy. And then you've got Maradona, who's this kind of like sporting legend who, you know. And I think, and the film interrogates that um, dichotomy quite interestingly at the start it feels like they're naturally splitting apart these two identities and then it reaches a point in his life where things are so uncontrollable that it's safer and easier Mm. for him to actually almost create these two personas and live within them those are those three days and those four days of the week yeah 
it really is this kind of like Jekyll and Hyde phenomenon, I think. And I guess that's, you know, taking it back to can you enjoy this film if you're not a football fan? It really, it's like the, the oldest story in the book is kind of this one of good versus evil and this torment that goes on inside this one man. Um, and that's the sort of the easiest story to understand. And I think that's, you know, that's why it's so accessible um, and just and so engaging as well, because you're you're totally, you know, there for this person rather than the kind of you know, the world that, that went on around him. It's like, how did he kind of exist in these spaces of, you know, incredible genius, but incredible, you know, decline as well. It's it's almost impressive how, like, the, the sort of the split between the two is... is and yeah, that that's why he's moved away from the one word, uh, one name title mm, as well, right. because he was so keen to have... Um, to, to emphasize the fact that Diego and Maradona were two different people because he could have easily called yeah. this film Maradona but he's also said that's because people were getting confused that it might be a Madonna documentary. <laughs> um, there's also something that comes up a lot in the doc like there's there's a really great quote I think by uh, from his personal trainer at the time that sort of, he says I think it's used in the trailer as well he says something like you know for, for Diego I'd go to the ends of the earth but for Maradona I wouldn't even take a step and it's yeah. just like that perfectly yeah. summarizes that yeah. that that real kind of yeah that well, divide and this this godlike imagery that runs through it i mean yeah, look hand at the poster of god, as well yeah, um, i mean this is this yeah, is everyone in naples had a photo in their homes yeah. next to jesus <laughs> yeah. this is exactly it though like we can look at maradona and and criticize him for all of the terrible decisions he made but can you imagine if we all had our picture up in somebody's house next but to this jesus is the like, thing. like i that's this, insane this is why you know and i think there's there's a lot maybe that we can talk about that the film like doesn't necessarily do enough of but for me the real I was so caught up in it because of his incredible talent and I think that's maybe where the sort of different levels come in if you like if you really love football and you, you know you you kind of engage with that the crazy atmosphere and the sort of the intensity of it but it's so hard to think this man did so many awful things and he you know lived kind of this really damaged life but oh my god the way he can play football was just well you have to outstanding you have to remember as well like this isn't like um, he was the most expensive player in the world at the time who went to the poorest city mm. in Italy. And this isn't like, you know, um, Hazard going to Real Madrid that likes happened recently. This is um, the fortunes of a city which is yeah. very poor and obsessed totally with Totally changed. Completely changing. Yeah. Um, and to have that kind of pressure on your back is very different to a big name player these days. It's just a completely different situation where you've got a, a city which is economically struggling and this is the one thing that you can give them. You yeah. can give them a little bit of hope. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that, to me, that's an amazing story and one that I can completely understand why he kind of crumbled. Yeah, yeah. He didn't, no, he didn't crumble, actually. He won the he, two titles. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, but good, his pers- yeah. he, at, the, at the expense of his personal life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Well, imagine having the weight of that on your shoulders. I know. I yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, I, I I feel pressure every day for the things that are far less important. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and when I turn up for five aside, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> same deal. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to go back to the very start of the film because um, it opens with this incredible ten-minute montage, which is set to this amazing Todd Terrier, uh track, and it's got this kind of driving electronic pulse to it. And this is all really to get us up to speed to the arrival at Naples. And it is so energetic and it's such a great reflection of what it would be like for Maradona arriving in Naples. Because by the time you get to that end of the end of that sequence, you're so hyped. Yeah. <laughs> and it does this great job of trying to make us feel like the fans mm-hmm. uh, that we have had this quick recap. Like, I suppose maybe the modern equivalent is like when... Uh, football team signs a player and there are those highlight highlight videos on YouTube. <laughs> Despacito remix. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's like, right, we've signed a player quickly. Right, what have they done for the last 10 years? Yeah. Uh, and that this is the ultimate YouTube mashup career highlights <laughs> in those 10 minutes. Yeah. And then we're in the stadium and suddenly we are a Neapolitan for the next yes. 90 minutes or so. And that 10 minutes is a great reflection as well as the, uh, the talent that is Chris King as an editor. Yeah, I mean, Chris King, he's worked with him on Senna and Amy as well. Yeah. Um, which are films that I came to quite late. I don't know about you guys. Did you see them when they came out? I saw Amy when it came out. I think I saw Senna a bit later than, yeah. than yeah. 2010. But yeah. Um, I mean, that, I, honestly, that comes from me not being interested in like Formula One. <laughs> yeah, but this is yeah. interesting as well because I'm not massively into Formula One, but Senna is still yeah. in the same way that, you know, we're talking about Maradona and football. It's like you're I, still totally engrossed with yeah. that. I feel, yeah, a lot of that comes from Chris King, I think, yeah. um, who manages to build a narrative out of seemingly like, how long did you say it was, Jake? 400, 500, 500 hours. hours of footage? Like, 
like I can't even I wouldn't even know where to start with yeah. that kind of stuff um, but he manages to build this narrative out of it visually that's just uh, incredibly I think originally Kapadia said he wanted to do uh, half an hour on his time in Barcelona Right. Yeah, it's interesting that that is very much skimmed over, I think, because it wasn't a a successful time for Maradona. But in the end, he went with the kind of 10-minute sequence. But I'd be interested to know, is this what you expected, Tilly, about a film about football, like the pulsing kind of techno song (laughs) at the start and the kind of motorbike, which is very kind of cinematic Mm. and Gamora-esque, actually? I think, think kind of from what I saw with Senna... Um, I think it'd take a similar kind of approach because Senna, again, you know, it's a sports doc. It's a similar kind of, you know, it's a similar kind of situation. So I think it's a sport of speed as well. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So I think um, I kind of thought it'd take a similar approach, which it does. You know, Senna kind of had it played upon the like screeching of the tires, Mm. and that was also kind of like fast paced. Um, But as well, I kind of I did think it would open with a montage purely because of the sheer amount of footage. Yeah, yeah. Just think, right? How, let's just get in as much as we can <laughs> yeah. and put it all in at the start. I, I actually <laughs> like, think like Senna was kind of disingenuous in the way that it presented Formula One, which is a very boring oh my sport. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, credit to Chris King, he yeah, makes, makes the sport look exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I think it's a falsehood. I don't think it is as exciting as he makes it look, but you've still got to give kudos to being able to do that. Oh yeah, I mean, you know? we, like we mentioned earlier, oh, he's so much better than everyone. Yeah, like, because this is a film about him. <laughs> so you're going to pick the highlights where he looks <laughs> yeah. amazing. You're not just going to do, you're never going to pick the games where he's just not yeah, doing yeah. Very true. Like, it's very different from watching 90 minutes of a player being able to yeah. watch these highlights but that's what the film does like it wants us Chris King and Capadio want us to believe that this is a human being who can do more than normal human beings and it succeeds so yeah. well in that yeah. Um, yeah. but when the film kind of does slow down a little bit and gets more into his personal life they still do an amazing job of not giving like an overview like it stays there's so many moments where he's surrounded by cameras mm. and they're all just pointing at him like the gladiator sequence at the start yeah there are some really nice moments i think where it does slow down and there's one scene in particular well there's two that i sort of that stand out but there was one where as as you say all the cameras are sort of on him and and you're just sort of watching his eyes exactly. look around the room and and there's this kind of you know dawning of realization on him that that this is his life and this is the chaos of it all and he's just very much isolated and, and singled out by by whatever who you know whoever's filming him yeah. um and then th- there's another scene as well that is just kind of a single shot of a banner outside this cemetery um after napoli have just won their first title that that just says you don't you don't know what you've missed and i just <laughs> think it's the most perfect image for the film and it's yeah. just this very this shot of kind of stasis and it's just very simple um but it's it's so expressive and i think all this archival footage is is so vivid you know when it's quick and it's you know pacey and it's him you know zipping around the pitch and doing his thing like it's it's amazing but there are so many quieter moments that really speak to to the larger story as well that I think are really powerful. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this is the first of uh, Capelli's biopics that isn't focused on a person that uh, who's already died. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering how do we think that that angle changes the film, uh, both from its its point of view and maybe its creation as well. I think there's something interesting about the fact that you're kind of witnessing a man who is still struggling and there's obviously footage from like the world cup last year and um it was kind of plastered across the news at the time that you know it looked like he was still on drugs at this Argentina match and there's there's that kind of pain of realising that somebody is still going through this trauma and um, that I think adds a layer of sadness to it. Um, obviously the other films are completely tragic and you know, people that actually lost their lives and it's still as you know as, as, as awful to, to witness um, but I guess there's something about knowing that he's still going through that that's, that's equally as, as hard. Mm. Do you think because he's alive and because Capelli was interviewing him um, and because he, he is a football fan who loves Maradona mm. um, that it it maybe ended perhaps a little too forgiving of him? Um, I would say maybe, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, it does, it definitely focuses on, you know, his rise to fame and his like godlike qualities um, and maybe it doesn't touch upon, I mean, it doesn't shy away from his drug taking and his drug mm. use and obviously, you know, his... Uh, Wife, ex-wife, I think it might be ex-wife now, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, there, there's a, it's a, a very iffy ongoing. relationship to uh, <laughs> to, to women, women and yeah. children in yeah. the film that 
although it does show, I don't think it interrogates perhaps as well as no, it could. it just touches upon it, but it yeah. doesn't really, you know, like you said, interrogate. So I think that's an area that could have been maybe focused on more. But again, like we said, is this a, he's a football lover and mm. he's making a documentary. Well, also I think I think this is a film about understanding rather than criticizing. Yeah. I don't think yeah. he set out to make this film to say. Um, look how amazing Diego Maradona is, but at the same time, I don't think he wanted to drag him no, through the mud. Yeah. He wanted to 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 say, how does the pressure yeah. get to somebody, and why do they turn out this way? And I think that the film re- the film does that really well, and it's it's kind because if it wasn't, then it would it would lose its empathy, it would completely lose it. And it's a sad fact that you know we've we've seen Maradona throughout the last few years from managing the Argentina team up to the Mexican team that he's at now and he's done some awful stuff he was you know racist at the world cup he was kind of he's he's been accused of um of of you know abuse i think at some point as well and all this stuff does add up to a man that you don't particularly want to like mm. The empathy is still there in this film. And I yeah, it's really important. There, there's uh, one of the last shots in the film is Maradona just on a on a five side small little mm. astroturf pitch, and I just felt really sad that no one yeah. was passing to him. <laughs> like, I know you do. Like, yeah. yeah, do you get like? I yeah, know it seems yeah. silly, but because yeah. he he's like this big older guy, yeah. and I mean, if I'm playing football with Maradona I, like I give him the ball won't. let him do something yeah, yeah. I know um, and I'd and, be a bit worried about him having a heart but, attack and, yeah <laughs> but, like, but that's that's the sad yeah. thing that that's the point that we've reached with him yeah. that has he just become this sad old do... man and we got to remember this yeah, period as yeah. well I think you do see him I mean with the sort of voiceover in the interview and there's an interview clip there's clips from an interview used where he was on live TV in Argentina I think um, and he, he's quite honest like he's quite sort of open and we'll talk about those things and the things that he did but the thing that probably would have been very interesting is to hear from his children and to actually have some kind of testimony <laughs> yeah, from yeah. them because, you know, that that to me was like a gaping hole in, in this doc that you, you kind of hear from the ex-wives and the girlfriends and people like that, um, but not the, not the children. And I feel like they were probably the ones that were neglected the most and suffered the most in some ways. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. Like, you you know, I think it could have interrogated those those kind of failures and you know failings a lot more um but yeah you do very much get swept up in the 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 mm. kind of genius of his of his skill so it's you know you're sort of overlooking things a little bit too much maybe yeah isn't his daughter um, like engaged to or married, married to sergio aguero oh, i know messi really? isn't it's he? not messi it's aguero oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. is his um son-in-law son-in-law yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i can't remember if it was messi or aguero. so it would have been yeah, interesting yeah. to hear from his daughter i mean i think it would have been really interesting to hear from the son who was left behind yeah that's yeah. that's a, one yeah. of the key parts yeah. of the story that i think is neglect and kind of tries to get solved within a post-credits wrap-up yeah. and I think yeah, that's even I more was, disingenuous. <laughs> yeah, I was slightly confused by that. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, okay, that's a little add-on at the yeah, end. Yeah, that's like the bit it's at the end of the dock yeah. where like, the text comes on the yeah. screen and explains <laughs> yeah. where are they now. Yeah, I had yeah. it, you're not allowed to solve it just like that. <laughs> yeah. Just, just I'm, I'm just going to bring up Rocket Man here too because oh at the end of Rocket Man they do the same thing where they, they say, oh, he's been sober for 25 years and then make a joke about him being addicted to shopping. shopping yeah. I'm like, that's a serious addiction. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally that's a problem yeah, yeah. so don't joke, don't make that the punchline of yeah, the movie and yeah, yeah. you know in, in a sense this feels the same way it feels like they are trying to wrap it up too neatly yeah and it's it there is, that, that's an interesting film yeah like your uh, your godlike father leaving you behind is yeah. an interesting film but that's not the film i think that capodio wanted to make so. no yeah no. and i guess it's hard to because he is still alive and that is what differs to amy and senna how do you wrap up a film like that yep. you know True. the story's still being told yeah with Amy and Senna, it, he kind of, you know, Capaldi is writing his own narrative for them. Um, but with Diego Maradona, it's the story's still going on. Mm. He's still alive mm. and, you know, it's still involved like, in football. And I, yeah, still when, involved in football. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's probably quite tricky. How do you tie up a story that's still continuing? I wonder maybe the backlash as well from the Maradona estate, if such a thing exists, you know, well, if, yeah. if he was to be kind of, if he was to interrogate those angles of his life, you know, he probably doesn't want his children to speak mm. about him in that way, which, you know. Well, apparently he's not even interested in seeing the movie. Really? Yeah, like, he hasn't yeah. seen it yet. He hasn't he, seen apparently. it. And like they want they invited him to Cannes and he was too busy with his football club. <laughs> yeah, um, fair enough. So but <laughs> I mean he's busy. I mean <laughs> compare football to films anyway. Yeah. 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 Get it. <laughs> uh, that's the real entertainment. Um right, we should probably wrap up there, but uh quickly I think it, let's go around the table and pick up some recommendations. Like any fans of other films that might want to pick out this one, what what other stuff would people have seen? 
I mean, Amy and Senna are the obvious ones. I think if you're a fan of Capadia's style, he's not going to disappoint you in this film. Um, and yeah, they, they do they do work in a very similar way to those ones. Um, and I guess any other kind of football docs, there was the Zidane um, doc, as, as Stephen's already mentioned. Um, a Ronaldo one that he produced as well, oh, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 I, when's the like the definitive Messi doc going to come out? We have to wait till he wins the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, um, it's all about the narrative. I mean, I mean, that's the interesting thing, though. Like, I was I was talking to my friends about who who you'd like to see him kind of tackle next. Um, Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock. <laughs> Uh, would be great. <laughs> but like, Sam Allardyce or like, it could be argued. Well, that's good. <laughs> I'm sure that there's a there's a narrative you can find there. There is for everyone's story. But Messi is a very different Argentinian. Oh, of course. Magician. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's it, you know. Sorry, just to go back to it quickly. But I mean, talking about everyone's like understanding of who Maradona is, it's all kind of based off of what our parents told us about yeah. Maradona. Like we weren't alive to watch mm, him play at the height of his career, whereas we're living in this world of Messi at the moment. Mm. And I just can't wait for you know. Whenever, oh yeah, I mean, in whenever 40 that, years, in 40 we're going to have time. James Mangold doing <laughs> Messi versus Ronaldo. <laughs> Messi's uh, a good boy, though. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. But it would that's be that's amazing. Amazing. That's, juicy. that's your good versus evil, right? Yeah. There. Oh my like, god. That's your good versus evil story. We should wrap up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Tilly, whilst you're here, I just want to do a big uh, recommendation for another archive documentary that's going to be coming out very soon. Uh, Of course, it's going to be all over Doc House, I'm sure. Uh, But that is Apollo 11. Yes. So we, uh, Bertha Doc House, are showing Apollo 11 from the 28th of June. Um, And similar to Diego Maradona, which is 500 hours of unseen footage, Apollo 11 is 11,000 hours (laughs) of unseen footage. And 18,000 of... 18,000 hours of unheard audio. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a mammoth project. Yeah, so it's definitely. Keep That's why it that. took so long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they actually oh. started making it like in 1979. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, but that's about it on uh, Diego Maradona, which is out in cinemas this weekend. Of course, we do always want to highlight what is available on demand on Curzon Home Cinema. Uh, so the new documentary edition there is Three Identical Strangers. Yeah, which is a great... Um, we were showing that at Birth Doc House um, a couple of months ago when it was released. And that is um, about... It's an amazing story about um, three identical strangers that... Well, they're not strangers. They're brothers that are separated at birth. And then um, later in life, when they must be about 15, they um, kind of find their way back to each other. And then the story just unravels um, and it's kind of like a lot more hidden, deeper meanings of why they were separated. Um, But again, that uses a lot of archive footage and that is a really, really good documentary. So definitely. Um, That's made by Raw, who also made The Imposter and American Animals and really carving this niche for kind of these hyper real um, multi-genre documentaries. Mystery noir documentaries. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And on Home Cinema as well, we've got the Sporting Life collection. Uh, There's loads of stuff in there. Just a few highlights from me is the Goalie's Anxiety at the Penalty Kick, the Wim Vendors film. Uh, recent edition I, Tonya of course Bendit Light Beckham and Borg McEnroe as well uh, if you've got any thoughts on Diego Maradona you can always let us know on Twitter where we are at Curzon Cinemas and if you want to do it the old fashioned way you can email us at podcast at Curzon.com if it's your first time listening to the show please subscribe you can do that on iTunes ACAR Spotify wherever you get your pods and when you're there if you could leave us a review or a comment that would be wonderful and you can always keep up with all of us in the room as well. I'm on Twitter at Jake H. Cunningham. Caitlin, where can people find you? I am also on Twitter at CSA Quinlan. Uh, Stephen, people want to find you diarising your film entries. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter that much. I'm trying, but I just I can't. Um, <laughs> You're on Letterboxd. Letterboxd, Letterboxd. yeah. It's Stephen Ryder with two R's. Yeah, and Tilly? Uh, Bertha Dockhouse is at Bertha Dockhouse on Twitter and Instagram. Lovely. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.